Hello again, friends, and welcome back to another edition of the Mid-South Wrestling Television Review Podcast. This week, reviewing Mid-South Wrestling Television from December 10th, 1983, taped December 7th, 1983, at the Irish McNeil Boys Club in Shreveport, Louisiana. I'm the great Brian Last, my pleasure to be with you once again. And of course, joining me for this journey through Mid-South Wrestling history, you know him as Mr. New Orleans from Booking the Territory, Mike Mills. Mike, how are you today? I'm feeling great. I'm feeling grand. We're into the end of 83. We've talked about this for months. Looking forward to another fun episode. Lots of material, really, to discuss this particular week. And I got a feeling, you know, I haven't watched many of these episodes in a very, very long time. 30 plus years, obviously. But, man... There's a lot of stuff to discuss in the episodes from here on out. I mean, there may be one or two where it's not so much, but this is going to be another one of those where I think, you know, I don't know for a fact, but as we jump into it, I think we're going to have a lot to talk about here, Brian. I think so. And again, after the doldrums of October, early November, things have started to pick up the last few weeks. Things are happening. And with that said, let's go to the show open. Boyd Pierce and Cowboy Bill Watts. Welcome to this week's edition of Mid-South Wrestling Television. I'm your host, Boyd Pierce, and we have a lot of exciting action to tell you about it, our expert commentator and president of Mid-South Wrestling, Bill Watts. Well, thank you, Boyd. I think there's a tremendous amount of action Grizzly Smith's got for us tonight. The one thing I want to comment on is last week, it seemed like Crusher Darso's obsession with powerlifting and wrestling, with just power, has become a narcotic to him, and he's been entrapped by the Russian just the way Russia does so many countries by leading them down that path until they have total dominance of them. Last week, when Dr. Death Steve Williams was wrestling Nikolai Volkov, Darso interfered. Let's watch that. And from there, Mike, we get a recap of Crusher Darso's turn last week. Of course, the Russians apparently have overpowered him. Any thoughts on Watts' comments here? Uh, No, I think what he's... When I say no, I don't mean no. I think he's, you know, when he throws to the replay, we get to see everything that went down with Volkov and Dr. Death and, you know, Darso getting involved and, and helping Volkov with the win. So, and then Darso celebrated with Volkov after. We're going to get more from Watts in a second. And I think that's where we uh, get to hear a little bit more of, of what's going on and, uh, and just, just a little bit more details. You know how Watts sells it and he tells his, he tells the story at the beginning of this episode. And now that you think about it, considering what would happen in 1986, Bill Watts versus the Russians is one of the best long-term feuds in wrestling history when you really think about it. But coming out of the recap of Crusher Darso turning to the dark side or the red side with Nikolai Volkov, here's the cowboy. Part of it saw that felt tremendously let down because Darso had flung $500 back in Akbar's face when Akbar tried to buy him. And yet free will of his own free will and without pay, apparently, went to the Russians' rescue, and Jim Ross le- interviewed him later in that program and tried to get to the bottom of it. Let's look at that. Right there, Mike, a good throwback to Darso turning down Akbar. Remember, Darso was kind of a heel early on, and then he turned down Akbar and aligned himself with the dog, and he became a babyface. So he's really, this is the second switch he's had in a few months. Yeah, in I think I think I've stressed this before, but it's interesting when you think about put you got to put yourself back in this time frame and what I knew of Skandar Akbar and many of our listeners did as they watched this in real time. Uh, and if you didn't watch it in real time, you're, you're listening to the reviews and watching now. Akbar was was this, you know, slick oil oil man who had all this dough and it would have meant a lot or it, I would say it would it meant a lot that Darso turned down all that quote-unquote money. Um, and, I, and I think it was like just a couple hundred dollars. I don't remember if it was 500 or not that he quote-unquote turned down at that moment. I'm just saying in general, if you're like, okay, well, look, this guy's got a lot of money and he's turning down Akbar, you know, all right, well, maybe he is on the up and up and maybe he is, you know, straight-laced and he, he's, he's good to go. He, he's not tempted by things that would otherwise, you know, tempt the normal man who's got that, you know, devil on one shoulder and angel on the right. So he 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 listens to the to to the angel and he he keeps it straight. No, he didn't. He he turned down Darso. I mean, he turned down Akbar, but in the end, well, now he's with Volkov. Well, Mike, coming out of that recap of Crusher Darso's promo, some final words from Cowboy Bill Watts, a dejected sounding Cowboy Bill Watts, sending us to the ring. 
heard Darso's remarks, let's go to the ring announcer, Jim Ross, for him to introduce the new Crusher Darso. Well, there it is, Mike. The opening of this show, the first several minutes used to recap everything happening with Darso and the Russians. And like I said before, Bill Watts almost sounds dejected talking about this turn of Crusher Darso. Yeah, he, he's upset. I mean, you got to put yourself in a time frame. The Cold War is still a thing of Russia. I mean, I, I don't, you know, we were, we were, not that we're not enemies now, but I just remember being a kid during this time and man, there was nothing more evil than the Russians back then. And, and Bill Watts is, is, is a red blood. You know, he's an American. He's an American at heart. Uh, he's been on his Russian tirades before. So this is a big deal, you know, for this this guy from Minnesota who's a tough American to all of a sudden just change his ways and sign with Volk. I don't say sign, but side with Volkov. And uh, we're going to see in a second, he, he changes his look as well to to fit the narrative and fit the story of going with Volkov. It's a good point to remind everyone of. We've been seeing Crusher Darso as a Midwestern lumberjack with a sleeveless flannel shirt and daisy dukes <laughs> we see a different version of him here for this next match crusher darso versus mike jackson johnny martinez the referee we could talk a little bit about his look here the shaved head the crew cut i guess you could say and the red trunks but let's hear what the cowboy has to say about all this we see a drastic change in Crusher Darso. He's cut his hair. He's wearing wrestling tights. And he's wearing wrestling boots. Bright red, we might add. Very symbolic. Uh, apparently his allegiance to... Oh, look at that power. I don't care what this man is an awesome specimen. His allegiance to the Russian is apparently a total commitment. Not only to the learning the techniques of powerlifting and wrestling, but apparently ideology-wise, too. You know, here's a youngster that was so fresh and had such a great attitude, came and said, I want to try everybody. And when Junkyard Dog beat him, he said, the man beat me fair and square and shook hands with him. And then when Akbar tried to hire him, he threw the money back in Akbar's face and helped the dog out. And had such a great attitude. And then all of a sudden he said, but nobody helped me. I didn't get anything by it. You know, it's like everybody thinks that somebody owes him a living or owes him a job. He had the chance with his own ability of making his name, but apparently the Russians saw this disillusionment or this small crack in his personality that that this 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 thing that let that russian sneak in with a few half truths and lies and when they get in there with their propaganda they totally enveloped him and the whole thing came to a head last week here on mid-south when dr death steve williams a four-time all-american a man who's vocally said how bad he dislikes russians and he was really given it to Volkov. Darso jumped in and caused Dr. Death to be beat. I hate him or not, but look at that power. He is a powerful man. He's got Mike Jackson up in that bear hug just like a rag doll. And you recall, that's one of the things he said. He said, you know, when the Russian got me in that bear hug, he said, I just felt like a baby. He said, I've got to learn that. This is what intrigued him. Mike Jackson just hasn't got enough horsepower get Darso out of there. Dar oh, Darso caught Mike Jackson. He caught Mike Jackson like a ragdoll. Mike weighs about 220, and Darso just, oh, look, he's just manhandling him. Now he's got him up the same method that he had Steve Dr. Death Williams up. Mike Jackson submits. Well, there it is, Mike. Crusher Darso defeating Mike Jackson to Jim Cornette's point that he always makes about announcing weights. Bill Watts there says Mike Jackson is 220. There's no way Mike Jackson's more than 190, I would think, here. But you want to announce him as being heavier because it makes it look more impressive that Crusher Darso had him up in the backbreaker. Mike, what are your thoughts on this match and Crusher Darso's new look as well as Bill Watts' thoughts? You had the same note as I did about Mike Jackson being 220. There's no way in hell Mike Jackson's 220. Uh, maybe, like you said, 190. He's between 180 and 190, in my opinion. Uh, hard to tell because I, I can't remember quite how tall Mike Jackson is, but I know he's not a tall man. I mean, he might be 5'9", five, 5'10". Five, uh, so him being 220, just what he's got on, there's there's no way. The I, I enjoyed Watts' comments here, man. This is It takes me back. You know, he talks about the changes in Darso, and there are little things in wrestling that you do. And look, it would be one thing for Darso to become a quote-unquote Russian. It's another thing for him to 
cut the hair, go with the buzz cut, I guess you call it. Now he's got the red tights on like Nikolai. Um, he, he, I, I'm going to say this. I've never been to Russia. He looks like a Russian. He looks like what I would think a Russian would be um, in wrestling in the 80s. So uh, he fits the look. He he looks, he's even playing it up from a facial expressions and his mannerisms when he's in there working. Not that he, not that he was, was, you know, had a, a clean look before, but he definitely had the more American look, good guy look. Man, his mannerisms, his the anger he shows, especially in the finish when he's got Mike Jackson over his head with that overhead backbreaker of sorts. Um, he's angry and he, he looks very, he looks aggressive. That that's the word I'm looking for. And then, you know, Nikolai comes in at the end, hugs him and whatnot. Uh, I just, uh, I liked Watts' commentary. The only other thing he said too was, you know, Darso thinks he was owed something. I think we've heard that already, but it's just key to point out. He, he says that again, look, he's trying to take the shortcut route. He doesn't want to work for it. We're going to hear more about that, uh, when it comes to that comparison to, to JYD and how JYD quote unquote worked for it versus Darso not wanting to work for it. So really good commentary right there from Watts uh, as the as the match went on. And man, Darso pretty much dominated Mike Jackson. Well, like you said, Nikolai Volkov comes in at the end and they embrace. And coming out of that match, we get Jim Ross in the ring talking with Nikolai Volkov and his new Russian friend. Let's go to this. Nikolai Volkov getting in the ring. Volkov congratulating. Look at him like two comrades. Volkov has waved Jim Ross into the ring. Yeah. I want to show him my good American comrade here, and I have a present for him right here, brother, because you deserve it. You show yourself. I have here a present for you. Yeah. The Russian flag. Nikolai Volkov has just presented Crusher Darso with a Russian flag to which he's accepted. It's hard to tell what the world's coming to, wrestling fans, and we'll be back with more wrestling on the Mid-South Television Network. Well, there it is, Mike, a crestfallen Jim Ross. It's hard to tell what the world is coming to because of the presentation <laughs> of the Russian flag. What are your thoughts on this? <laughs> well... It's not as okay. It's not as bad if if you've ever seen when Ron Wright put the Nazi flag on the desk in front of Gordon Soley. <laughs> no, it's um, not as bad in, as that in any it's way. Nowhere near as bad as that. <laughs> but and I bring that up because there are worse things we've seen in wrestling in terms of flags. Jim Ross is very much disgusted, as you just said. What is the world coming to? But it's very. To do this in the middle of a ring in Mid-South Wrestling, you know, Nikolai gives him the flag, Darso unveils it, picks it up, you know, holds it up. Uh, you got to believe Bill Watts is now going to have to say something about this heinous act because you know how he feels about his about these Russians. And, um, you know, Jim Ross is not disgusted as much because you, you can't really see his face, but his, just the way he speaks, he's just like, what's the world coming to? He's just got this look on his face and during during that where it's like, really, I can't believe this. So, yeah, this is a big moment, man. He's this is a, you know, a, a perfectly good American who's just sided with the Russians and he holds up this big Russian flag in the middle of the ring. Stay tuned, folks. And give Darso credit. It's a pretty shitty gift. I mean, I got a gift for you. Oh, really? What is it? That's a flag. Look at Darso's reaction. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, really, how do you celebrate getting a flag? It's not like. Here's a microwave. Oh, my God, I can cook food. Here is a flag. And Darcy's like, oh, all right, yeah. What am I going to do with this flag? <laughs> That's what he's asking himself. But anyway, coming out of that segment, we get our next match. The Mid-South Wrestling Tag Team Champions, Butch Reed and Jim Neidhart versus Coco Ware and Randy Barber, Rick Ferrero, the referee. I believe, based on what Jim Cornette has told me, that Coco Ware drove to the taping with Jerry Lawler. And that's why he is on this taping, Coco Ware. Uh, I might be wrong about that, but I believe that is what Jim said. He drove there with someone. I think it was Lawler. But we'll talk about this in a moment. Let's listen to some audio. One note for those of you watching along. Look at how taped up Butch Reed's knees are. But let's hear some audio from Cowboy Bill Watts about Butch Reed, about this match, but also still talking about Crusher Darso. 
is a wrecking machine, this Mid-South Tag Team. Coco Ware is a stout young man himself. Jim the Anvil Neidhart. Headlock. I guess, Boyd, I'm still a little stunned and in shock. Crusher Darso accepted that Russian flag. I don't know if he really realizes just what that means. That not only has he turned his back on all the fans that cared for him and the friends he'd made in Mid-South and wrestling, by accepting that flag, he's turned his back on his country. I wonder if that means he'll stand at attention and salute when they play the Russian National Anthem. I don't know. Coco Ware, what a high-risk move there, trying to go home with it. I think Coco feels the tremendous power of Jim the Anvil Neidhart, knowing he's against the Mid-South Tag Team Championship. He just threw caution to the winds, trying to get a fall, which is good strategy on his part, but against those super athletes like that, he made a mistake, and they got out of the way. Now, Hacksaw Butch Reed, a man who has no brother, as we saw when he striped King Cobra right here on Mid-South Wrestling with the yellow stripe up his back. And his quest is to paint the dog bright yellow. I don't know if he's wanting to paint the dog yellow after calling him an Oriole and things like that or symbolically to whitewash the dog, but I'll guarantee you the dog said that they'd have him in a pine box before he'd ever lay there and be painted by this man. And so far for Hacksaw Butch Reed, he has not achieved it to his satisfaction. Some really interesting comments there from Bill Watts, Mike. Not necessarily about Darso or the match, but about the dog and Butch Reed feud and Butch Reed trying to whitewash the dog. What are your thoughts on all this? And what do you remember about this from when you were a kid? Uh, That we hated Butch Reed. Butch Reed insulting this man, JYD, for no reason. It was like he just... I mean, it goes back to... It, it it goes back to when Reed first comes in and, and, you know, Reed makes the makes the turn. He just we we hated Reed because it was like, why, 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 why do you hate the dog? Like the dog to me never gave Reed no reason to hate him, but yet he did. So that's how I felt as a kid. <laughs> I still feel that way now, the way they play out the storyline. Um, and yeah, man, he it watches is kind of. I didn't think about this so much back then, but the the more as I've gotten older now, more knowledge, Watts really made this like uh, I hate to say it, but like a race issue. Um, because yeah. Reed calling him like Reed calling JYD an Oreo. Reed wants to whitewash him. I, as a kid, you just don't know what you don't know, and yeah, you know, I guess you just don't really think about it like that. But man. This is this is a few weeks now where he's really leaning into that with this. And there's there's something to that. I mean, New Orleans is your your biggest town in the territory, right? You're where you're drawing your big crowds. So in New Orleans is predominantly African-American. Um, I'm guessing that's why Watts is going this route with Reed and Dog. And I, I don't know, man, it, it's it's kind of like when you listen to it through 2021 years, not that it offends me or anything, but it's a it's a different take on it versus when you watch it when you're young. I mean, he, he he's really turned it into like a, a racial thing. And I didn't see it like that back then, but I'm certainly seeing it like this now. Butch Reed and Jim Neidhart win when Neidhart hits a Samoan drop on Randy Barber. Coming out of that, Mike, we go to something that is not on the version that is on the WWE network of this episode of Mid-South Wrestling, something that was on the original airing of Mid-South Wrestling but is no longer a part of the show. We'll talk a little bit about this on the other side. It ties into some stuff we've talked about and we will be talking about here on the show. But let's go to this audio right now from the original airing of Mid-South Wrestling. We're going to play this for the historical context and to make sure we put this in the proper historical perspective. A revolutionary new concept here on Mid-South Wrestling. Magnum TA hired one of the living legends, one of the best wrestlers in the business, Mr. Wrestling 2 is his coach. And 2 reports that everything's going fantastic in the gymnasium, but 2 wants his total attention. And he says, Magnum, you've got to study it from every aspect. You've got to study opponents. You've got to study the psychology of every wrestler. You've got to know your opponents and your teammates. Let's watch Wrestling 2 as he seems to be really beating a point to death. You know, you're doing super good in your workouts. I'm very proud of you. But there's certain things that you still cannot get in your mind. You know, I told you there's things you have to learn about the human body, the human person, mankind, you might say. I warned you about Lenny Proffel, didn't I? 
I told you about him. His whole family is rotten. And I'm telling you where it comes from now. As a matter of fact, I have a little clipping here I just want to show you. I sent uh, Jim uh, down to, to Kentucky to get some clippings on this man, and I, I got it. And I want you to just see him. Savage to a 35-pound Sarasota, Florida, ICW World Heavyweight Champion, and one of the world's greatest athletes. Yeah, dig it. Yeah, dig it. From our initial investigation, all indications are that Randy Savage, brother of Leaping Lanny Poffo, holds nothing but contempt and hatred for his fellow wrestlers. Randy Savage cares not for awards, but would rather carry on the sadistic wrestling style of the Poffo family. I'm Jim Ross, reporting from Lexington, Kentucky, for Mid-South Wrestling. Well, now you've seen it. What do you think? Well, too, I know you have nothing but my best interest at heart, or you wouldn't have spent so much time with me. I know you went through a, a lot of effort to show me this clipping, but, you know, you've got to remember even Cain and Abel were from the same family. But, you know, things change. You know, brothers change. They go separate ways, and Lanny showed me nothing but good. And blood's thicker than water. I'm telling you, the man is rotten. I want you to stay away from him. That's just an example. I'll, I'll get to him. I'm going to find something on him yet. Well, wrestling, too, like I say, he spits it out, and he believes it, and he's researching it, and he's a dogmatic, very thorough man. And he said, feels that Lanny Poffo is just like the rest of his family, and certainly Angelo Poffo, the father, and Randy Savage, macho man, are evil people. But Lanny Poffo has not shown any of those tendencies here on Mid-South. He's seemingly been a straightforward, honest young man. Let's go to Jim Ross in the ring for the next match. Well, there it is, Mike. A very, very interesting segment. Again, edited off the current version on the WWE Network, tying into things that have been building up the last couple of weeks and that will be talked about later in the show and make no sense really in the current version because this clip isn't there. It is Mr. Wrestling 2 showing a video report on Randy Savage narrated by Jim Ross. So again, to further the idea that the original plan was for the Poffos or Randy Savage and Lanny Poffo to feud with T.A. in two. This certainly goes more into that storyline, and you can understand why when Bill Dundee came in, based on their history, instead Randy went to Memphis, because there was no place for him here because of Dundee coming in. What do you think of all this, Mike? Yeah, you you nailed it. The the original direction that that they definitely seem to be going with, because now here we are, early December, we're still talking about, you know, Two and TA still talking about Poffo and they even show the clip of Macho Man. He comes out to hire the tiger for a second. And it's obvious that they were leaning into this, but then the direction changed. And I know you had speculated about this weeks and weeks ago, but yeah, it's it's a definite. I did the other thing I like is I like the Cain and Abel reference. I thought that was a good one. And then two, he's just determined to dig into the bottom of this. He at this point in time, he definitely does not want to let this go. There is no way that Cain and Abel reference came from anyone other than Bill Watts. I would just make a guess on that. I agree. I think we've come to know Bill Watts's mind, and those are Watts told him to we Watts told TA to weave that into the promo, and that is exactly what TA did. He basically was just regurgitating what Watts told him to say. Coming out of that package, we go to our next match. It is Lanny Poffo versus Jeff Sword, Randy Anderson, the referee. Let's hear some audio from Boyd Pierce and Cowboy Bill Watts about the Poffos and that previous segment, which is edited off the current version of the show. Jeff Sword versus Leaping Lanny Poffo, and Bill, you told it just exactly right. Never, even to the slightest hint, has Leaping Lanny Poffo indicated any way that he would revert back to the tactics that's shown by his father and his brother. Well, the first time Wrestling 2 confronted him about it, Lanny said, every man has something in his past that he's not as proud of. There's things that he's ashamed of, things that he's done either for his family or a loved one or a company he's worked for. But he said at one point his family got him into the position where he couldn't live with himself, and he left the fa his family and has not been with him in over a year. We don't know where he's been, but certainly we've had no indication that he's had any association with Angelo or Randy Macho Man Savage. And he's been 100% out here. And every time he's been in a tag match or something, he's been 100% for his partner. He's a 
very scientific uh, wrestler with a lot of gymnastic ability, good conditioning, sincere young man, well-dressed. Uh, I just can't say enough about him. He has really impressed me. I will say this also on Wrestling 2's behalf. Uh, if he's finally proven wrong, he'll be the first one to walk up, stick his hand out in his gruff manner and say, hey, I was wrong. But 2's uh, but got something in his craw about it. Lanny seems to think maybe 2's jealous of uh, him being a young a young man and Magnum T.A. being a young man. and that they, that What a dynamic team they could form. And he thinks that maybe Wrestling 2 wants to uh, use Magnum T.A.'s youth to springboard his own career to uh, the tag team championships here in the Mid-South. And uh, so, you know, it's just too bad. There's so many things happening. Well, there it is, Mike Cowboy Bill Watts talking a little bit about this issue with the Poffos and Mr. Wrestling 2 and, I guess, Magnum T.A. by uh, association with Mr. Wrestling 2. What are your thoughts on that and this match, which Lanny Poffo eventually wins with his standing backflip? And I don't think Lanny Poffo was ever going to get over as a babyface in Mid-South. But what are your thoughts about all this, Mike? I agree. I don't think Lanny, not that I've got, you know, the site that I have where I've seen this all. I definitely don't think he was going to get over as a babyface. It just wasn't going to happen. Nothing against Lanny. It just, I just, he does not fit. Uh, in the current version, he is right here. Uh, I'll say that. You know, watch repeats that we have no indication that Lanny has ties to his family still. I mean, Lanny hasn't really, there's no indication that he's, you know, got those ties. And I think that's key to point out, even though they end up not going in this direction. I do like how Watts mentions how Lanny thinks two is just jealous because Lanny is young and TA is young and two just wants to use TA to get ahead and win in mid South. I thought that was very, very good commentary from, from Watts and, you know, to Watts's point, he mentions again, Lanny has done nothing wrong here in mid South. He's been, you know, uh, even keel and he hasn't shown any, you know, malicious tactics. There's, there's nothing he's done that I think we would say, yeah, this guy is, uh, you know, he's out for, out for his own or he, he's, he's, he's an evil, evil wrestler of any sort. Right? So, you know, Watts is painting the picture, trying his best to paint the picture of Lanny being on the up and up and here to do good things. Coming out of that match, Mike, we go back to the desk where Cowboy Bill Watts sets us up for our next Magnum TA and Mr. Wrestling 2 segment. Let's go to the Cowboy. His quest to make Magnum TA the finest wrestling machine the world has ever seen has allowed the Mid-South cameras to capture part and parcel of the workout and the strategy and what's, just what all's involved in it. And I mean, there's gymnasium work, there's road work, there's wrestling work, there's also strategy work and film study. And we'll watch as probably the most exciting youngster to hit Mid-South in a long time. Magnum TA is under the tutelage of a gruff, tough, rugged, individual mr wrestling too let's watch you could tell just based on that intro mike that bill watts certainly had big big plans for magnum ta oh yeah yeah i mean he because he's selling them in in the rough and toughness of it all he's not it's not just lip service man he's i mean if you just listen to watts for the last few months really as he pushes ta he there's nothing but positives it's not like he's not being critical at all i mean he's saying you know he's he's young and he's got to work and he's got to you know, do the things that all wrestlers need to do, but it's all, you know, the push of TA and the positivity of TA and how good of a wrestler he's going to be if he keeps on the path that he's on. We then get a package of some previous clips of Magnum TA and Mr. Wrestling 2, and then we go to the control room where Mr. Wrestling 2 is watching footage with Magnum TA, telling him what to do and what not to do. Let's play this. We'll talk about it on the other side. Went, uh, went out more or less, you know, and uh, now you're in trouble. Uh, hey, you've got to you got to watch those things and try to learn to be able to recuperate in in a faster uh, fashion. Your, your bell got rung there, and he is absolutely just uh, wiping the floor up with you. Which hey, what what what's this? You know, you you got to remember one thing, my boy. You're wrestling the champion. He didn't become champion by being Mr. Nice Guy. He became champion by uh, uh, catching people off guard. And that's exactly what he did to you. He kept you, he caught you off guard and rung your bell. True, at this particular point now. Now you're coming in strong. You, you got him reeling and rocking. And boy, you really got things going your way. Look at you. 
Now, why did you turn your back there? Hesitation. That's no good. You can't have hesitation. You got him down. You, you can't get overconfident at any time. You're taking your time at this particular point. You're coming in. Look, watch this. What happened? Hey, come on. You got to get together on these things, man. Don't get your mind off somewhere else. Don't ever think you have things under control because you don't. Not until your hand gets raised. Then you got things under control. You know, I hope this is a match you will not forget. Understand that? Yes. Yeah, I hope so. We, we, you know, my, my, uh, my uh, trend here is not just to be, uh, uh, to capture and, and make a, a wrestler, you, primarily, uh, a good wrestler. I want to make you the best. The finest pro wrestling has ever seen in, in the history of wrestling. And I've got to have your complete cooperation. Understood? Needless to say, we'll be closely following the progress of Magnum TA under the tutelage of a legend, Wrestling 2. Let's go to the ring announcer, Jim Ross, now for this next bout. Well, there it is, Mike. Mr. Wrestling 2 sitting there and watching Butch Reed versus Magnum TA and talking to TA about what to do and what not to do. What are your thoughts on this? And of course, for the long-term storyline, this is great stuff. What are your thoughts on this? I, it's easy with the hindsight of knowing what like happened in this situation to say what I'm about to say, but I wasn't thinking it back then, but I'm thinking it now. When you listen to two, quote-unquote, coaching Magnum TA right here, he's being, I don't know if the term's condescending, or he's being very... It's um tough love type coaching, um, which was very common, obviously, back then. I mean, you you can't coach kids nowadays like this. Um, and I say kids because I used to coach you sports. But, he, you know, he's being very, very abrasive in his in his coaching. You know, he just I don't know. To me, it can come across the condescending. And the reason I point that out is because if you know what ends up happening with these two as the story plays out, you'll think. Man, the signs were there from the beginning. <laughs> like it, that's the first thing that hits me. But in my mind, as a, you know, watching it back then, I didn't think that. I just thought he was, you know, coaching him, and it was the tough love, and I'm gonna be tough on you because I care type thing. But when you watch it now, you and you know what ends up happening, which I'm not gonna say now. Uh, you you may have a different perspective on it. So I just think it's interesting. To, I always think it's interesting to look at look at it two ways. You know, you can look at it when you originally see it versus how you see it now. And there's always gonna be, or a lot, oftentimes there'll be differences. And T.A., you, if you notice there, I mean, I don't think you could, he kind of may have, I don't say whispered, but said yes uh, underneath his breath kind of low a couple times. I don't know if we really, you can hear him through the audio, but he, he's nodding and he's, he's not like getting offended or anything. He's, he's going along with what Two's saying about, you know, his, his current abilities and what he needs to work on. But when you watch Two, man, he comes across as that old gruff old man, that tough love, and he's being real stern with, you got to clear your head, you know, you can't, you know, you're not thinking. And it's not just that when you watch his mannerisms, when he's, when he's coaching, when he's coaching TA right there, he, he's, he's coming across real, real strict and real hard on Magnum. Uh, but he's, but he's accepting hard. of it. But TA, like you said, he doesn't yes. say anything. He just sits there and he's happy to be with his coach and learning. I'm glad you said that. He's not, he's, he, at this point in time, he's not like, you know, going, damn, why's this guy being so tough on me? He's being very, very accepting of it. So just wanted to point that out. Good little segment, though. Interesting, them sitting there at the control room covering the footage of T.A. versus uh, Reed. And, of course, when people recap the T.A. and 2 storyline and feud, people will usually forget the fact that this age issue was an issue from early on with Lanny Poffo involved. Usually it goes right to, people usually forget the Poffos were involved in any of this. But anyway, coming out of that, Mike, we get our next match. Magnum TA, speak of the devil, versus Tom Lentz. Johnny Martinez, the referee. Let's go to some audio from Cowboy Bill Watts. Thoughts on everything with TA and 2, as well as one of those great Jerry Clower references. Let's go to this. There's the bell, and Bill, on the outside of the ring, Mr. Wrestling 2, you referred to many times. Whether he's in the ring, out of the ring, or in the role of a manager or tutor, he's so thorough. That's right. He's watching and taking notes, and I guarantee you, any mistakes Magnum T.A. makes, he'll be paying for because he'll have to listen to two. He may not get complimented for the good moves because he's a professional, and wrestling, too, expects him to make the good moves, but he'll be picked apart for all the bad moves, which 
which when you're a professional, you've got to be motivated beyond the ordinary. Magnum TA, I guarantee you when he comes on, every lady in the house gets her heart beating a little faster. I think it's those cold blue eyes. I don't know what it is, but I hear more comments about this young man. What a good-looking young man. One high school even had him pick their annual yearbook queen, and uh, there's just been a tremendous amount of talk about this youngster, and so many people uh, want to meet him personally. Uh, Young ladies, I mean, it's it's a tremendous thing. It, this is a great young athlete, a modest young man, a polite young man. But there's a lot of firepower. Those cold blue eyes just tell you that, man, I can take you out. And he believes in that belly-to-belly suplex. He believes that with that hold and the quickness of it and the leverage involved that he can hit anybody with it and beat them at a given time. And his whole goal, Wrestling 2 says, all he talks about says, if you get me to where I can beat Hacksaw Butchery right in the middle, right here on TV where twice he humiliated me, I'll give you a bonus in our contract because I'll know I've arrived when I can beat Butch Reed. So that also shows you the respect everybody has for Butch Reed, that when they're measuring their ability by the fact of whether or not they can beat him because Butch Reed is a tough, tough guy. Tom Lentz out here. Got a call from my old friend Jerry Clower, the mouth of Mississippi, the ambassador of goodwill, the commentator of Ledbetter's Olympics on MCA Records, and Dogs I Have Known, the MCA star. And Jerry Clower says he's going to surprise everybody and come over here from Yazoo City to Mid-South Taping and say howdy to all the wrestling fans. And, of course, Jerry and his daughter oftentimes go to Jackson, Mississippi to see the wrestling. It's not very far from their hometown of Yazoo. Be looking forward to what a great surprise. Jerry Clower, Well, there it is, Mike. I don't know what the headline is. Jerry Clower, a tremendous person, or Magnum T.A.'s cold blue eyes that Bill Watts keeps talking about. What are your thoughts on all this? It is Watts mentioning, talking about T.A. and getting the ladies' hearts pumping. Yeah, I think uh, he's leaning into, we got these, uh, you know, we're going to have these good-looking baby faces in here soon. And I don't know, I felt like he's... uh, putting the icing on the cake there yeah he 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 just points out you know two's he also points out two's coaching of ta's moves and you know ta uh, may need to be receptive to the coaching and if you watch that video we just saw beforehand he was very receptive he was very much you know it wasn't like he was rejecting it at all he was shaking his head nodding and he was going with it so it, it goes along with what we just saw and then we got the Jerry Clower reference, like you said. Magnum TA wins with a belly-to-belly suplex. Coming out of that, Mike, we go to our next segment. Bill Watts shoots the ring where Jim Ross is going to interview Crusher Darso. But a lot of stuff happens here. Let's go to this. Well, I think everybody's concerned with the commitment that Crusher Darso has made. And Jim Ross is in the ring to confront him and ask him if he realizes the consequences of his act. Let's go to Jim Ross. I think that because of what transpired earlier today, there's some questions that need to be answered. The questions I want to ask you. I want you, I want you to, to, to listen to me very intently. Do you understand exactly what transpired today with that flag? Do you understand that you not only turn your back on the fans, your friends that you've made in this Mid-South area, people that you've talked with many, many times, like myself, your family, but you've also turned your back on the most important thing that we have going for us. That's living in a free country, living in America. You've turned your back on our country. I, I just want you, I just want to know if you're sure, if you understand exactly what you're doing. Jim, what has my country done for me anyways? They haven't done a darn thing. I've been starving. Just like when I came down here, the junkyard dog didn't do anything for me. I come down here and I help him out. Help him in the ring and everything. He didn't even say thank you. He didn't do one thing for me. You're telling me the junkyard dog did not help you work out. The junkyard dog didn't show you wrestling maneuvers. The junkyard dog didn't try to bring you up the ladder. The junkyard dog didn't do anything for me. He just treated me like a piece of nothing. And I tried everything I do to get along with him. And he didn't do one thing. And I'm sick and tired of hearing the name junkyard dog. Because Nikolai Volkov is the only person that has helped me. And he's a friend of mine. And he's trained me. And he's teaching me the two things I do best, and that's wrestling and powerlifting. Well, you're saying the junkyard dog has never done anything for you. He's looking at you right eyeball to eyeball. Now you tell him what you think. Dog, you didn't do one thing for me since I've been down here. I even threw $500 away. And what did you do? You didn't even say thank you. You didn't get me in any main events. 
main event. Yeah. You got to start somewhere. I started from the bottom. I built myself up. That's what I was trying to get you to do. Start from the bottom and build yourself up and make something out of yourself. But no, you go and turn your back with somebody like Volkov, man. Well, well look at this. Sometimes you need waking up. Let me My dad it. used to wake me up. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait. Junkyard Dog just slapped Darso. Darso didn't do anything about it. Maybe he's realizing. It looks like he's at a real point of indecision. The dog has just gone ghetto style. He's showing Nikolai Volkov how they do it in the back alley in the streets. Volkov is so powerful. Now Darso looks like he's going to go to the aid of the dog. He moved in, but now he backed away, Bill. Now the dog's on top. Darso's attacked the dog. He's broken and torn it. He's ripped it now. He's thrown it all away. The man he'd befriended, now he's holding him. And the Russians attacking the junkyard dog. The Russians attacking the junkyard dog. Dog is down. Both of them, both of them are putting the boots to the dog. The Russian and Darso. Darso's a red. He's a comrade. A Darso, a Russian lackey, a bootlicker. Here's Mike Jackson coming in and Barber. If they can't, they haven't got the firepower for that. Darso and them throwing them out. The Russian holding the dog. Darso dropping elbows on him. Here comes Hacksaw Dugan and Volkov and, and Hacksaw Magnum TA. And the Russians are retreating. They don't want that confrontation where it's even odds. We'll be back. We'll be back after these messages. A lot going on there, Mike. Crusher Darso interviewed. The dog comes out. I have to say, this is my favorite dog promo segment on the body of Mid-South Wrestling in a long time. He's great here. The fans are super into him, super into everything he's saying. When he slaps Darso, the way he does it is great. His words are great. The reaction's great. The only thing that's a little cringe is Watts on commentary with, he went ghetto style. What are your thoughts on all this? And Crusher Darso hesitant for a moment and then finally joining in with Volkov on beating the dog. Yeah, Watts leans into saying ghetto often. And it's not all the time, but he, he says it. He says it a lot. One thing also near the end of it, I, I'm not trying to tell you how to run 605. I wish there was a way I could do a voice for uh, the Russian lackey darso or darso the russian lackey as a character on your show because i don't know why but that tickled me when he called when he called darso the uh the russian lackey i just it just uh tickled me i agree with you man i think jyd here was tremendous the with that gruff voice that i can't do you know when he when he yells at him that he you know you know what do you mean you want a handout you know what do you what do you mean you want help you know i started from the bottom you know we all got to start from the bottom and it just makes so much sense you we you gotta you don't start at the top you gotta work for it and it's like he's taking the the short way out before that i did want to make one other mention too to the right of jim ross there's a guy or a young teenager maybe he's got a cow cowboy, the cowboy hat, hat on. the cowboy hat yeah yeah, yeah. i know that exactly where you're going dude. to <laughs> he so i wanted to say as they're getting started um and jim ross is about to interview darso the kid the i say kid because it's really hard to tell how old he is looks like maybe a teenager he yells out you turned your back on the usa and it comes through. You can, I mean, it's not loud, but you can hear it and you can read his lips. So I wanted to mention that guy because it was kind of funny. And and look, man, these people, they're into it. I don't know if they were really loud, but when the attack happened and dog slapped Darso, they get into it. When when Volkov comes out, they're, they're all standing up. Nobody's sitting down except for the, the people in the front row. They're chanting USA. Even as dogs getting beat down, they're chanting USA. I, I wasn't sure how I felt about this as I rewatched it where, you know, Darso gets slapped, right? Which was great. It was a great moment, and Darko back, Darso backs up. But when Volkov comes in the ring, I was like, JYD, why are you turning your back to Darso? He, you, all you did was slap him. It wasn't like you hit him with a two-by-four or a chair or something. But then Watts kind of explains it like, for a second, that slap may have 
somewhat made Darso think about what he was doing. Like, do I really want to side with the Russian? Because JYD and Nikolai, they're rolling on the on the mat. They're punching each other, rolling back and forth. JYD is choking Nikolai. Nikolai then gets on top of JYD and he's punching him. And Darso is standing there like, do I help Volkov? Do I help Dog? He seems conflicted. And Watts explained that. So if you're wondering why, you know, if you're not watching it, that may not come through. And it takes Darso a minute before Darso finally decides, nah, I'm on the side of the Russians. I'm the Russian lackey Barry Darso. I'm going to, or Crusher Darso now, I'm going to, I'm going to go after Dog and I'm going to help Nikolai out. So it is a tremendous segment, man. Dog was great. Like you said, I thought Darso was great too. The kid with the, or teenager with the cowboy hat was good. Nikolai was good. It was all good here, man. They, they, this, this was done really well. The kid in the cowboy hat got really fired up. A couple points, he had to pull his pants up, if you noticed. What? (laughs) Coming out of that segment, Mike, Bill Watts has some final thoughts on it before we throw it to an interesting segment on Steve Williams, but let's go to these comments from Cowboy Bill Watts. Well, you just saw that, Boyd Pierce. That's no different than Russian ideology the world over, to divide, to conquer, and then once you've got control of them, to use them to do your dirty work. We better unite in this country and put away our petty beefs with each other and unite against a common cause. And here's a man that'll unite, a man that's outspoken about how he loves the United States and how he hates Russia. Let's go as this Mid-South cameras visited Dr. Death Steve Williams as he attends Oklahoma University. Well, now he's fired up. Now we got the fired up Bill Watts, Mike. He said something that might be true nowadays. We got to put aside our petty differences and unite. <laughs> but no, he's um, he fired up, man. It, the, Bill Watts, when it comes to Russia, Bill Watts is going to be on it every time. And he, you just nailed it. He's fired up as he throws it to, uh, to the next segment. The next segment, which we're going to play audio from, which is Dr. Death Steve Williams, who's still a young man, it's easy to forget, at school with Joel Watts. So it's this big, tough Dr. Death with this skinny Joel Watts just walking all over campus. Let's go to this audio right now. Owen Field in Norman, Oklahoma, the home of the University of Oklahoma Sooners. And for the past five years, the collegiate home of Steve Dr. Death Williams. Here we see Steve and Joel Armstrong Watts as they carry on the normal life of college students. During the week, they attend classes at Oklahoma University in pursuit of college degrees. And when Steve's busy schedule permits, Dr. Death returns to the violent world of professional wrestling as seen here with Big Bobby Dunkel. After graduation, Steve will have to choose between a career in recreational management, professional football, or professional wrestling. And the fans in the Mid-South area certainly hope that Dr. Death chooses a squared circle. When the fans are behind me, no one can stop me. Steve's fellow students at Oklahoma University, including this former collegiate wrestling teammate, are extremely supportive of his dual career as a student and a professional athlete. And from the very beginning of his career at the University of Oklahoma, Dr. Death realized that conditioning was an important aspect of his athletic success, as is evidenced here by his 300-pound-plus bench press. Whichever career Steve chooses, his opponents can be assured that he will be physically prepared. And there is one adversary in particular that Steve Williams is anxious to meet. That's the giant Russian, Nikolai Volkov. The opponent I would most like to face is that Russian, Volkov. He's been saying some pretty bad things about the USA. And nothing gets me madder than that because I am American. All American. Here the four-time All-American collides with King Kong Bundy. Dr. Death possesses tremendous upper body strength. But he also realizes that, especially in professional wrestling, the development of the lower body is as equally important. After a brief stint with the New Jersey Generals of the United States Football League, this former OU football star realizes he indeed faces a tough decision between pro football and professional wrestling. While Steve has not yet reached that decision, he continues to work out daily. And when the time comes, Dr. Death will be ready. 
favorite wrestling move is the Oklahoma Stampede. It's by the far my favorite move. It was taught by me by the great cowboy Bill Watts. I only hope that I can have as much success with it as he did. From the University of Oklahoma Wrestling Room in Norman, Oklahoma, with Steve Dr. Death Williams, I'm Jim Ross for Mid-South Wrestling. An interesting package there, Mike. I guess Steve Williams was reading off a script. That's the only thing I can say about whatever he was saying in there. But what are your thoughts on Dr. Death on campus with Joel Watson in the weight room and on the football field? What are your thoughts on this whole package? It was a good, I mean, overall, I would say it was fine to do the package the way they did it. Cause I mean, you're, you're kind of turning Dr. Death human, you know, we, we know what he ends up becoming in the territory, but you're, you're making him a human being and somebody who's a real person, you know, as he walks around campus, I, I don't mind that at all. I, I thought that's probably a good thing for them to do. Dr. Death, they mentioned he'll have to choose between recreational management, pro football or pro wrestling. He probably, I think he made the right decision. And you think about what happens with him in pro wrestling and how successful he ends up oh, becoming. Oh, come on. He could have been an all-time legend in recreation management. <laughs> of course he could have. <laughs> what does that mean? What is recreation management? What exactly is that? I, I don't. The only thing that came to my mind is like you have these recreational departments in cities and, and you know, they, they may run different sports leagues or things like that. Like, I, that's kind I of what know. I thought. But like in Long Beach, know. In Long Beach, where I grew up, there was the recreation center. That's where the ice skating rink was. And that's where, like, there were some fields you could play on every now and then. Which is where Little League games were. And the guys who worked there were fucking morons. Well, I was... I can't, they yeah. can't have a degree to work there. I can't imagine. I don't know, but that's why I'm like, so are you running the entire shindig like you're a director where you know you've got oversight over many different things i don't know but that that's how i took it um yeah uh, but you know who knows uh so i really don't know what recreational management is uh, someone asked jim ross that on twitter and see if they'll get back to him i won't anyway i i thought i thought it was cool and <laughs> no no that's nothing i'm not trying to bash anybody it just i'm just saying i i, I don't want to know that bad uh what what's your about <laughs> recreational management let me clarify uh, i'm not looking for a war with good old jr i want to um, know but i also don't care that's what you're saying yeah, well, <laughs> <laughs> i don't know it's that old thing i don't want to know that bad if that makes sense i, it, I that's it i don't want to know that bad but um, the, the weight room thing, I, I like that. And I think they do this in 87, is it? Um, when he's, uh, training to go after the UWF title. 87, cause they have his, um, coach with him in 87. Yeah. Yeah. And I think they go into the weight, the, the same weight room, obviously, cause they're in Oklahoma. So I remember, and I remember as a kid, you know, not to get too far ahead of ourselves, we're many years from that, but. I remember as a kid, I, I really bought into that when I saw it. I was like, like, and I wasn't, you, the UWF years, like, I think I've told you before, I, they weren't really my favorite, like, because, you know, I'd been through all of this stuff that we're doing now. So by the time we got to 86, I'm not going to say I was out, but it just was, it was kind of hit and miss for me. I was like, eh, some stuff was good. Other stuff was like, oh, this is dumb. But I remember that, those moments with him training. And so this kind of reminded me of that when he was training for the UWF title during that time and they show him in the weight room going at it hard and heavy with the coach and all and it really felt like a a rocky style build-up to him going for the title and again i won't spoil anything you can look it up on your own and see what ends up happening but i thought that was good and, and i like how you know i don't know if they, when they did that then it was a callback to this but i like how they you know show him training in the weight room i mean he's a strong guy man he's he's just you know throwing up i think 225 like it was nothing uh, Dr. That's a big dude, strong dude. So good little package, but you know, someone find out what recreational management is, even though I really don't care. <laughs> oh, Coming out of that, Mike, another match to not care about or perhaps care about Iceman King Parsons versus Doug Vines, Rick Ferreira, the referee. Let's hear a little bit from Cowboy Bill Watts about the Iceman, as well as what previously happened early in the show with the Junkyard Dog and Crusher Darso. An exciting man, you know, and he gives credit where credit is due. He says the best friend he's got is the junkyard dog, the ice man who came up the hard way, worked in an ice plant while he went to college. He said all his lady friends said he had a hands like ice but a warm heart. Quick move, and he's double tough. You know, the one thing I, I want to point out to Crusher Darso is the junkyard dog when he first came to Mid South. 
lost 51 straight matches. Left Mid-South, went to Germany, went to Canada, trained, worked hard, got his experience the hard way, and came back and whipped everything in sight. He didn't ask anybody to give him a hand up. He went out and took life on and grabbed it and took it from life. And here's Darso, who lost two matches in his whole career here in Mid-South and thinks Mid-South or the world or the fans or somebody gave him a raw deal. And that's a difference in the man. It's a difference in the heart, the difference in the attitude. The sour grapes. I get so sick of sour grapes. There's everything in this country anybody wants it. They just man enough to go out and get it. Bill, I'm glad when Crusher Darso accepted that flag from Nikolai Volkov that Jim Ross was in the ring to send it to the commercial break because our blood was boiling here and we couldn't have done it. That's right. I have too many strong ties. I, my wife is from Estonia, and that country was another one of the countries that was just taken over by Russia when they had a treaty with them. So when people that go out and say that you can make a treaty over Russia over nuclear armament or any other kind of treaty, the only thing is a one-way treaty. It's a treaty where they get you to put everything away so you can walk in and take your country. There's nothing you can do about it. But the Iceman's walking in and taking Doug Vines, and there's nothing Doug Vines can do about it because he's against a tough stallion. He's out there, and he's going to hit with a rumple stopper, and the Iceman coming. He cometh to Mid-South and gains a tremendous victory over Doug Vines. Tag team action coming up when we return after this word from Mid-South Wrestling Television Network. Well, there it is, Mike. The Iceman, King Parsons, always over with the fans there. They put him over as being best friends with the Junkyard Dog, and he wins with the butt bump. What are your thoughts on this match and Bill Watts' wild commentary here? I love Iceman. I've said it a number of times. He's so charismatic. The, the fan, I mean, he hasn't even been here for long. And every time he, he appears, man, he comes out, he comes out to Sister Sledge here. He's dancing. The fans are with it. I mean, it's not reminiscent of how they are with Dog with another one bites the dust, but, you know, they're into it, man. He's, he's just got charisma, man. Iceman always loved Iceman, and he shows no, different here, no difference here in a match. It really meant nothing against Doug Vines, but I loved Iceman. As far as Watts goes, I, 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 need, I, need, a, I need to know, need to get down to the bottom of this because I think Watts is just shooting off some nonsense. Not that I don't like that he did that because it helps with telling the story that nothing was handed to JYD, but I don't know if JYD lost 51 matches straight. Now, uh, as far as everything else goes, you know, Watts makes some good points. Darso wants it all handed to him, and now he's got sour grapes because it wasn't just handed to him. And he repeats the story. He's brought this up about his wife before in Estonia. Uh, where there was a treaty, but the Russians still took Estonia away. Uh, you know, geopolitical Bill Watts, it's, he's always on it, man. And like I said, get used to it. We're, we we got the Russian war right now in Mid-South, so it ain't going nowhere. And I think I said that a long time ago. Uh, Brian, what did you think about the 51 straight losses? I did want to ask you that. Remember, he wasn't winning matches when he first got there. So we do have to find out. Now, he said it was before he went to Germany and... Canada and everything else, so that would place it before Mid South Wrestling. Yeah, and 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 I and I want to state too when he says fifty one straight matches, I I'm assuming when Watts said that not just Mid South fifty one straight matches he would have lost. Like, was there a time period for JYD where he did lose fifty one straight matches? I, I also will be accepting of that because I mean I can see when he first gets started and is learning his way in the business and you're working you know, every single night of the week, it probably wouldn't be too hard to get the 51 straight matches if you're, you know, an, an under talent or somebody who's just enhancement talent and whatnot. So obviously it's very it's much two possible. You could do that in two months if you're working almost every day. Exactly. So that's why I say I, I get that it wouldn't be hard, but then I was trying to figure out, okay, so I wonder. So anyway, um, I mean, Bill Watts does make a good point. I don't, I, I'm having a little fun with the 51 straight, but he makes a great point about Darso wanting it all handed to him. And he's got sour grapes now. And, and I, I thought that was a, it's a good point to drive home as we near the end of this episode. Of course, this episode's not over yet because our final match is the midnight express with Jim Cornette versus John King and George Weingroff, Randy Pee Wee Anderson, the referee. Let's hear the intro from Jim Cornette. That's about good enough. Now we'll get the class in here, Jim Ross, if you don't mind backing up. I think it would also be a good idea if the people in the studio remain silent, give me the respect I deserve. Now I want to make a little challenge today. I want to challenge every man, every woman, and every child in the Mid-South area. 
Watch what you're about to see here in this ring. And if you could come up with the honesty in your bodies to say that the two men you're about to see are the greatest, the fastest, the strongest, indeed the best tag team that you've ever seen in a professional wrestling ring, then you tell me that. If you have any honesty, integrity, or an intestinal fortitude, you won't be able to say anything else but when you see lover boy Dennis and beautiful Bobby, the Midnight Express. There it is, Mike. Jim Cornette, just on TV for the last few weeks, but already getting booze. Already people hate him. And these intros are so unique. No one else was doing anything like this. And the Midnight Express is certainly on to something here. The fans are starting to react to them. And then the matches happen. And they're doing stuff that no other tag team was really doing at that time. What are your thoughts on the intro? And what are your thoughts on this match? The Midnight Express versus John King and George Weingroff. The cockiness of Corny in does it all as he's challenging and makes a challenge to the fans. It's, you gotta, it's one thing to hear to the audio. If you have the network or the ability to watch these, just look at corny mannerisms when he's cutting the promo, because that's the other half of it that you don't, you know, see when you're just listening to it. He's so cocky. He's so young. God, he's so young here with that head, <laughs> his hair, and the way he pushes off Jr. You know, I mean, he doesn't shove him, but like takes the mic and then kind of slightly pushes Jr. away so he can make his point because he doesn't need Jr right underneath them as he's talking into the camera. It's just well done. He's a good heel manager and so young. I think, I think he was 22 right here. <laughs> he's so young. And you're right. The fans, they're already there. It's starting to crank up. You're starting to hear it. They're like, God, this guy's irritating. I don't like him. And it's only going to get worse. The Midnight Express win. When Bobby Eaton hits a forearm on King while Condry's holding him up, they announce next week, Jerry the King Lawler, as well as a new tag team of Rick Rude and Lanny Poffo. We'll see how far that team goes. But with that, Mike, we wrap up an episode of Mid-South Wrestling. Any final thoughts about this episode? Like we said, there's going to be a lot more to unpack in these episodes than we've had in previous months before the midnight arrive and before we, we you know, we're now up on the top of the roller coaster. And I really feel like you're you're seeing that here with this episode. There's I said at the beginning, I said, there's a lot more for us to talk about. And not that we didn't talk about a lot when the, mid, when the midnight came in, but I feel like it'll be a pattern, man. They, these episodes will be, there'll be a lot more in them for us to unpack and discuss as we go through and, you know, get used to that part. And uh, geopolitical Bill Watts as well. Good stuff, though, Brian. This was a, another really, really fun episode now that things are improving in the territory and more changes to come, like, like we've discussed as well. As we wrap things up, I want to remind everyone you can follow me on Twitter at GreatBrianLast. You can follow the Arcadian Vanguard Podcast Network on Twitter at SuperPodcasts, and of course on Facebook, facebook.com slash Arcadian Vanguard. You can hear me on the 605 Super Podcast at 605pod.com, available wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Mike, how can the listeners stay in touch with you and booking the territory? You can stay in touch with me on Twitter at Mike504Saints. Uh, please give me a follow there. I try to answer questions there about the show or things that we discuss here. Also, we'll post videos as I have time of the various clips that Brian and I discuss. Uh, the other thing is give Book in the Territory a listen at tinyurl.com slash bttpod. That's tinyurl.com slash bttpod. They call us the unprofessional wrestling podcast for a reason. The jokes are terrible. The language is strong. It's not politically correct, but we have a fun time talking about the old NWA Saturday night shows we've done as far back as 1985, late 85, the old Saturday night shows. And we are now into, whoo, Brian, you told me a while back, the pit 90, man, uh, parts of 1990 can get brutal on you. But we have a lot of fun, and we try to breathe some life into and make fun of many of the things that we saw back then. We we try to talk about it. All I'm going to say is Norman the Lunatic. Woo! Good God. What the hell were they doing? But no, seriously, give us a listen there. Again, it's tinyurl.com slash bttpod, or just search Booking the Territory wherever you get your podcast from. If you're listening to this show, you can probably get it on the app that you're listening to this show. And if not, again, tinyurl.com slash bttpod. Myself, Doc Turner, Hard Body Hopper, week by week, we go through Saturday nights. Brian, another fun show. Look forward to the next one.
The Mid-South Wrestling Television Review Podcast is a production of the Arcadian Vanguard Podcast Network. Your producer is Jace Nakarado. For Mike Mills, I'm the great Brian Last. Tally-ho! Thank you.